This is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he's learning and practicing every day that is allowing him to create a life of success. Today's Everyday Youth Leader reminds us how important it is to believe in your journey because at 14, he's realized that you must first develop a belief before it can be seen. Listen in to this amazing story about the self-confidence this young actor has developed and how his decisions impacted the opening night of Broadway's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What happens when the live show must go on? Listen in. These leadership lessons are ones that you too can apply every day to live your life with success. Broadway and film youth actor Ryan Faust is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 49 starts now. Welcome to the program, Ryan Faust, Everyday Leader 50 and 50, celebrating John Maxwell Youth Initiative. Ryan, I really am so excited that you're on the program this week and celebrating your career, your history, your life as an everyday leader. I'm so excited too. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I um, I always kind of start the show off with, how do I know you? And so I don't really know you. I've texted you and your mom and your dad and followed you as a fan, but I saw you in... Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on Broadway. People that know me, and I excuse my voice because I'm losing it, but the intention is get this uh, recorded because I love what you're doing and your message and to follow you. But as I watched you on stage in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, you know, the story for people that haven't seen that, and I don't know who hasn't seen it, (laughs) but you know, believing in your dreams and believing that you have a purpose and can just connect to that vision and you can make things happen in your life. And so I thought it was so important as I connected to your spirit to have you really encourage and inspire people that are kids, right? Even us that are adults can get um, inspiration from, from your journey. And so I am just thrilled that you're on here and I know your mom and dad are dad are close and so you know as mentors they really uh, are, are helping you and guiding you make those right decisions in life and so gosh uh, thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart for just being a guest absolutely I'm so excited so excited so uh, so talk about a little bit you know how old are you Ryan I'm 14 years old. 14 years old. And the things that you're looking at in your career at 14, so typically, you know, my listeners that are not in Broadway, that haven't been in acting, you know, we're, uh, you know, freshmen in high school and have have friends or in sports. What does your life look like as a 14-year-old different from maybe you would say somebody that's not in acting? Um, well... I'm really blessed to be able to be doing this and being able to move up to New York because I originally lived in Florida. Yep. My parents moved me up here, which was so kind of them. And I'm really thrilled for the life that I have. Um, I miss my life back then. Um, but I really enjoy this acting career that I have. 
that I'm so fortunate people to be able to have. You know, it's following your passion and your strength is acting and you are so gifted. And, and you know, sometimes what we've learned, what I've learned through my life and what other people learn, um, and, and you're 14 and so you're learning so many lessons about following your mentors and having people that support you and influence you. And so that story is so critical for people, you know, and you made a trade-off. Trade-offs are one of those big things that as leaders, we have to recognize, you know, as a family, you all made a decision to, you know, take an opportunity to get to New York and give you those opportunities that were in front of you. So uh, that's really amazing. How did you guys as a family um, think about, and how long have you been in New York? We have been in New York for about two years now. Hmm. Um, January 14th will make it two years. Um, originally, I was playing soccer. I wasn't on an acting career. I wasn't on the path to be an actor. I went to soccer summer camps, and I was going to be a professional soccer player. I was not really heading towards this acting. Wow. But I did soccer summer camps, so I wanted to do a acting summer camp. So I went to BAA, Broadway Artists Alliance, and TBE, the Broadway Experience. And at the end of Broadway Experience, and BAA, there were agents and managers and casting directors that came to the showcase. And so I performed my little easy street from Annie Jr., <laughs> which I did back in Florida. And at the end, an agent called my parents and said, we want to represent Ryan. And I was like, that's awesome. And my parents were like, we did not know that there were agents and managers and casting directors here. So it took us a little while. We had some other friends that went through some difficult things with other agents, but we signed on and my second audition was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh my gosh. Now that is an amazing story because here you're, you know, that shows your gifts and your strengths, right? Because how many times that you've talked to adults that are actors that are really trying to make it and try out for parts and they audition and audition on audition. And here you are the second one and you get this role. What did that feel like? It was ecstatic. It was thrilling. <laughs> I was so happy. And out of 10,000 kids, I thought, Hey, this would be a cool experience to go into a boardroom meeting when I'm older and say, something special about me is I auditioned for a Broadway show. And you made it. <laughs> and you were really and, I made it. and you were really great in it. And so when you think about that Thank experience, you, so so you have not really done that before. Talk to me and this is really a leadership lesson for people. You know, did you and your family and I know your mom and dad are right there, but you know, did you have fears? What did that feel like when you left Florida, your friends, you moved to New York? And you have this great experience, um, you know, but you don't know what that's going to look like. So you get the part and then you're like, now what? That's exactly what we worried about. We talked as a family what an experience this would be. So what we decided to do, what we decided to do was keep the house in Florida. We'll move up here for this amazing opportunity. And what we thought as a family is this will last a year, maybe two, and we will do this. And then when I'm done, 
we will go home. Yeah. So as we heard that Charlie was going to end, I was devastated that my whole world of Charlie, this beautiful world that has been created, was falling. And I was missing my friends. I was missing school. I was missing my soccer. But I loved this new world that I was in. <laughs> and I did not want to leave. But as Charlie was ending, I auditioned for a movie called The Goldfinch. And we were talking and we were thinking about going home. And I got The Goldfinch. And that was with Nicole Kidman and Sarah Paulson. He's big name actors and realized we have to stay in New York. All these amazing opportunities are going to come and come. So I did that. I did Mary Page Marlowe after that, which was an off-Broadway show. And after we realized we were getting these, all these auditions, and we were getting the roles, we were booking the roles, we realized we need to stay up here. Yep. So that's what we did. We got another apartment, moved to Long Island City, and now we're living the dream. Living the dream. At 14, you've experienced so much uh, Broadway and off-Broadway and a movie. <laughs> that is just an amazing journey for you in the last couple of years, young man. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So do you have time for soccer right now? No, I'm contracted not to do dangerous things like <laughs> uh, rock climbing, soccer, any physical sports because I could get hurt. So when I'm off contract, I make the most of it. And when I'm on tra- contract, I focus on my work. Isn't that really great? You have a whole different perspective now about life. So how does your school kind of intermingle with this? Are you, are you doing homeschool with your mom and dad? Or how does that look for you as, as an actor on Broadway? People probably don't realize this. Well, I went to a private school in Tampa, Florida, and we were working with them on how I was going to do school. So the show, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, was going to provide a tutor, but we decided we wanted to do some type of virtual school that I could be flexible with instead of going to an actual school. So my private school in Tampa, Florida, were thinking, hey, we would love to do virtual school with you. So we worked out some uh, kinks and stuff and we went to Google classroom and we started uploading homework to those folders. And I started doing that and we realized it was something that I could do. So we started doing that and i continued to do that through eighth grade. And I've been doing virtual school through my private school in Tampa, Florida and I've been going through Canvas and Google Classroom, um, and yeah, it's all about your mindset. You know, you can get anything done and accomplished in the world today if you just decide that you're going to do it. And that's a great message for people because there's a lot of people that are older than you that kind of get stuck in life, and they let a lot of barriers um, prevent them from following something that, that may just kind of like, like yours, it just kind of keeps working out. And so your path is, is kind of opening up to you and you have a great set of mentors that are helping you live your dream, you know, experience something that you may not have ever planned on uh, before. So what an amazing story that you have, Ryan. And for, you know, for a lot of the listeners, 
Uh, when we talk about design, you know, you guys are designing your life to be able to do all of this. Your mom and dad are, I'm sure, giving up things um, that they had uh, stable in Tampa. And then to be able to come to New York, it's not an easy city. It's a lot different uh, than Florida. <laughs> You've got, yeah. you know, the subways and, and the trains and, and everything um, that you have to kind of uh, experience, not the beaches and the palm trees. <laughs> but um, Yeah, I'm, I'm really blessed to have these two with me. Um, all the giving up from Tampa, Florida to move up here so I can have a career and have a stable life when I grow up, it really means a lot to me. I'm sure it does. And, you know, you sometimes when we look back on our lives, we're, you know, always taught to kind of, put the puzzle together and how things started and how things developed. And, and so when you, you look kind of at what you're doing now at 14, um, who are the, the people that you're following that are mentoring you kind of in your career? Well, Christian Borle from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, who played Willy Wonka, was really one of my biggest mentors, as well as Seth Travellino from my school in Florida. Christian Borle was in Spamalot with David Hyde Pierce from Frazier, who played Frazier's brother, Niles. Mm -hmm. And David Hyde Pierce taught um, Christian Borle all these different things about comedy and theater in general, how the applause goes up and down, where to cut in, when people are talking, when to take your breath to come in with your line, if people are laughing how far do you take it and where do you stop? If there's a problem on stage, what do you do? How do you do it? Stay calm. And Christian Borle really taught us Charlie's all about this, all about these things that David Hyde Pierce taught him. And it was really cool to hear, because I worked with David Hyde Pierce in uh, another project. And it was really cool to see both of them so uniquely different but at the same time, they were the same hilarious person. <laughs> Isn't that amazing to know the story behind the story, you know, and connect to that? And so um, I saw David Hyde Pierce in Hello, Dolly this last summer. And so, you know, when you think about him as an actor and now you understand a little bit more about his influence in helping Christian Borle and you, uh, that is, it's so important that people understand there's more than just what you see. Right. And and one of my favorite songs is the song uh, Must Be Believed to Be Seen from Willy Wonka. And I love that because I teach about it in, in leadership classes. You know, you've got to believe in your heart before you can actually see it and see it come to fruition. And so I, I think it tells your story. Right. You're believing that this can happen because you've had these doors opened for you. And now you're getting um, really connected to the right environment. And that's helping you then become connected to the next journey that you have in your life. And, and so I, I love that you have this great attitude, you know, at 14 to think about, you know, what is the next thing? What are you guys looking for? Um, do you have any idea, you know, what that next thing is going to look like? And what are you auditioning for? Well, I am getting to the final, getting to the finals for a lot of things. And, as an actor, you've got to learn disappointment. You've got to learn not getting things. And it's been hard for me to work so hard to get to the final few people and then not get the role. It's 
really pulled me down, but mm. I've learned to pull myself back up and realize, hey, this next audition, I'm going to nail this one. <laughs> that next audition, I'm going to nail that one. And whichever one falls through, that falls through, and I'm going to do that project, and I'm going to nail that one as well. That's such an awesome attitude. You know, you think about when we talk about people, and especially youth, you know, it's so authentic for you at 14, and you were 12, really, were you 11 or 12 when you were auditioning for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I was 11, and then for my birthday, for my 12th birthday, I found out that I got Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Wow. Isn't, and that's so amazing, because, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, this will be kind of exciting, and what you've learned through that uh, is just an amazing journey that you can now apply to all these other things that you're doing, And, and, you know, they look for and I'm sure that that's what they saw is that authentic Ryan Faust that came through to say, you know, this is who I am. And you connected to the part and you were great in the part and, and really brought life to who that Charlie Bucket was supposed to be. So that's what's so neat, I think, about actors. Uh, and my nephew is Ben Crawford. And so when, when we came to see the show, it was for him. But then I saw you and Christian and all these other actors and thought, you know, what you guys do is such a gift because you have to memorize all these lines and you have to be on point. It's live. It's not like, you know, recorded Facebook or, or re- recorded movies. You know, you are performing in a live environment. And so I want you to kind of talk through the very first night, the very first night when the curtains opened <laughs> and your Charlie Bucket what, what was that experience like for you? Actually, this is a great story. Um, so we open on Christian Borle, and at first the little factory that he's behind isn't moving. Of course, for our very first show with a live audience. <laughs> so we opening preview, we're getting ready, and the thing won't move behind the stage, and something <laughs> stuck in between the tracks. So they're fixing that, and I'm starting to get a little nervous, and the curtain rises, and that nervousness just went away. I was so excited. I could hear that audience clapping and wooing, and Christian Borrell singing his first song, and I come in for the second song. And when I came in and looked through the little bucket shack and saw that audience, I was like, this is what I want to do. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. So I do the first song, I go to the next scene, which is the bucket shack. And as the bucket shack comes on, what it does is it's backwards as it comes onto the stage and it turns around so it faces the audience. Well, as the bucket shack came on, it stopped and it was backwards. (laughs) So you cannot see any of the grandparents. (laughs) So I have bought the carriage uh, cabbage from Mrs. Green and I walk over and the thing stops. And I look up at it, and for a split second, my heart jumps out onto the stage. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, oh, no, no. And then immediately, what I thought is, I cannot sit here. What I need to do is I need to keep the show going. The show must go on. Exactly. So I went up to my Grandpa Joe, John Rubenstein, and he looks at me, and we think for a second. Because I have quite a few little objects that I have to handle and put down and transfer 
in the bucket check that the audience is supposed to see key points. <laughs> what, I, I do, what I do is I bring them to where the audience can see it. And I start doing that. And John Rubenstein is crawling on top of the other grandparents in the bed. <laughs> and it's a two-story bed. So on the second story, he's crawling over the parents. And he's talking and he's singing his song. And I'm doing all my stuff, putting my scarf and hat away. I'm doing everything. And it's going smoothly. And I'm singing a letter to Charlie Bucket in my little chair that comes on. Yep. And mid-song, the thing starts turning back. And I looked up at it and I started smiling. And I was so happy <laughs> that we got through that. Oh, my goodness. And for and people. after that, yeah. the night went perfectly after that. And I was looking at all these people in the audience. And I was like, wow, this is what I'm going to do for 130 shows more. This this is the life. Wow. And you know, you didn't let fear kind of get in the way. And that's so great. It's such a great lesson for people because you didn't know what was going to happen and you just had to roll with it. You know, you had practiced it. How many, how many times did you all practice this before you went live? We had about two, three weeks before we went into tech and tech was about a week, week and a half. And our first preview was about a month into rehearsing. Mm -hmm. So the script changes every night for previews and the script changed before that night. And I, of course, memorized the stuff. We practiced it, practiced it um, before the show. And I, it was, tough for me to do school at the same time but the beauty of putting this show together was so cool to see the wood framework of the candy shop the wood framework of the jacket bed all these wood frames coming together to make this amazing broadway show really struck me with wonder and you know, you think that you're I just couldn't believe what I was a part of. <laughs> that I was a part of this amazing show exactly. that was going to be on Broadway for many people to see. I loved it. Well, I loved the experience. And growing up, you know, those of us that are a little older than you grew up with, uh, you know, this story on Christmas Day. It was always played uh, during the holidays, and so everybody's kind of attached to this story. And so it's a personal connection to to Charlie Bucket is. Everybody's, you know, if you were Charlie Bucket, having this dream, finding this golden ticket in life, right? Finding this opportunity. And you kind of live that through this story. <laughs> That's what I love about this is you really said, hey, this is my golden ticket. I'm going after this. And you are not letting anything get in your way or stop you. And, and so whatever that looks like, you know, here you talk about the challenges, developing a sense of learning that script and learning those lines and doing that in front of a live audience. How much practice had you had in Florida before you came to New York um, to do the audition, you know, when you got the part for Charlie? But how, I mean, I would just think that that would be incredibly difficult to learn all the lines that you had. Well, it started when I was in first grade and I did Cats. And I auditioned when I was in sixth grade. 
so I had a good six years of little regional theater uh, practice. Mm -hmm. So I knew what to do. I knew um, I knew pretty much how to sing. Um, I wasn't as well trained as I was when I went to Broadway. Um, I was a pretty good little actor when I was little too. <laughs> and the day of the BAA auditions in Florida, we had no idea. My mom and dad saw something on Facebook for it and alerted my drama teacher that we weren't signed up. We had no idea. Everyone else in my grade who was an actor was signed up to audition for it. And we were like, oh, oh, no. We, oh, no. So the drama teacher pulls me out of lunch and says, okay, um, we're going to sing Easy Street for your audition because you did that just a few weeks ago for Annie Jr. And we were supposed to have a monologue as well. And he said, I don't know any monologue that we can memorize in a few hours. How about we do a dramatic version of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? <laughs> so that's what we did. I sang my song and they asked for a monologue. So I did Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Wow. How I wonder what you are. Up above a world so high. So as I got my agent, I had three weeks to prepare for uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was one song and three sides. And sides are little clippets of scenes that you have to memorize um, and characterize. So I did that in a video audition, and I was called to come to New York for two days. And we went to New York a little while before to see uh, Les Miserables, because that was my favorite show. That's what got me to do theater <laughs> uh, as a child. I memorized all those lines when I was five. I loved that show. Oh, my gosh. So um, I went up to New York, and on the spot, they made me learn a new song. Really high note that I had to hit. And we practiced that, and they said, you know what, just, just belt it. And they said, and I couldn't do it. And they said, what's holding you back? And I said, I'm afraid my voice is going to crack. And they said, okay, if your voice cracks, that's fine. Just go for it. So I said, okay. And when I sang that, I wasn't afraid whether my voice cracked or not. I hit that note. And my parents, after the audition, said, was that you that hit that note? Was that you? <laughs> wow. It came from within, didn't and, it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a month and a half later, we got the call. How good did it feel, Ryan, to hit that note? felt free. I don't know how to explain it. I just felt free. I didn't feel held back by nervousness or anything. When I hit that note, I was like, I can do this. I can do anything. That's amazing. The energy, the passion, just the idea that you are believing in this journey. You know, the opportunity that came to you and yeah, you had trained, you had done some things, but your vision before that opportunity, it's kind of like you had prepared, right? When people prepare for something in their life, doors open and it may not look perfect and you may not know what that journey is about, but if you follow that, right, and you, and you have the right influences around you to be able to kind of lead you to that next place, uh, that's what you've experienced. And 
watching your life unfold. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is amazing to think about people that are not able to kind of set themselves up for the mindset of the opportunities. And now you have, you know, these mentors that you've, you've been in these um, shows and this movie, and they're going to be connected to you because you touch them in some way. You know, when you act with someone, you guys become a family. You are together for a, a long time and every night, right? And when you, when you said, um, you know, you had three Charlies, so there were three Charlie buckets. You didn't have to go to school and perform every night. <laughs> but what was your schedule like? Uh, when you were performing? Well, my schedule was get up, and usually we would have rehearsals at the beginning of the day, so I'd do that. We'd have a good few hours break. We'd get something to eat, rehearse lines, uh, go to juniors maybe, get a milkshake, (laughs) or go to Corso, which was a little cafe next to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, get some hot tea for my throat, Yep. <laughs> memorize the lines, get them down, make sure we have it in the correct spot of the show. We'd go, my parents would drop me off at the theater, and that was it. That's, that's am- the story. That's amazing. Well, <clears throat> talk to me a little bit about, you know, Mary Page Marlowe when you were doing that off-Broadway. So what was that experience like? I felt um, more independent in that uh, show. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I was the main character. Um, And I don't want this to sound mean or greedy or anything, but I had more help and I had more mentors to guide me through a main character. And in Mary Page Marlowe, I was an ensemble character, which is perfect. it's fine because this industry really humbles you. And it was good for me to have that. That way I didn't grow a big head. So I went through and I realized, hey, I was 11, 12 years old in that. So I got a lot of help. In this show, I'm 13, almost 14. I really need to take control of myself. I really need to build myself up. I really need to do all this stuff independently so I know how to do it later in life. And that show really helped me to understand what to do as an actor independently. That's an amazing understanding at your age to be able to say, you know, to separate those two events. And I know they were different, and so that's why I love to get your perspective on it for, you know, people, adults that are going through change and they change jobs or they change their lifestyle or they move, you know, you guys moved across the country for this. But when you think about Broadway, off-Broadway, kind of kind of a different experience, but then a movie, you've done a movie too, which is going to come out in 2019, right? Goldfinch? Yes, it is. So how was that compared to your experiences on Broadway? The TV industry and Broadway is, very different. In the TV industry, you have many and multiple breaks in between the scene, and you do it multiple times. And the same on Broadway, you do it multiple times. Broadway is with a live audience, and you get uh, credited faster. 
And in the film industry, it takes a little while longer, which I'm fine with that. But the two differences that I saw was that in movies, you have to maintain your character through the whole thing. And you have to make sure you have the same character as you did on the first shot you did. In Broadway, you learn your character and you continue with your character. So when you don't continually stop doing it uh, over and over or keep doing the same scene over and over, you realize who your character is quicker. And when you do it over and, and over, you start to understand the story. You start to understand what's going on. You start to understand the other characters, what they're doing, how they affect your character. In movies, you need to figure that out when you read the script. You need to figure out what's going on. When you go on set, you need to see what's going on and just think on the spot. Yep. And of course, you can retake uh, shots in movies. But in Broadway, if you or someone else messes up or cues not made, Christian Borle would make something funny out of it. <laughs> and he really lightened the moment when uh, something went wrong. Yeah. And that's another thing I appreciated about him, uh, especially when, and I admit this too, I messed up on stage once. Once My favorite song, A Letter from Charlie Bucket, I forgot a verse halfway through a song. And I was devastated. I was sweating. I, nobody knew. I made sure not to show anybody. And I started humming the words until I got back. And afterwards, I was so upset with myself. I was crying. I was really upset with myself that I did that. And all these people, John Rubenstein, who played my grandfather, <laughs> Christian Borrell came into my room and they were like, it's, it's the acting industry. We're not perfect. We're human. We're an entertain entertainment industry. And we make mistakes, but we need to learn to make a joke out about it make a joke about it. We need to learn to lift ourselves back up so we can continue to go on. And they told me a few things that they did uh, to, that they messed up with and their different shows like Christian Borle messed up a song, Pinball Wizard, and he learned and told me how to come back from that, what you need to do. And I really appreciated that from them. Yeah, because that's a scary thing. You know, you're in front of it really is. all of those people in that theater. And really, you, there's not a bad seat in that theater that you were in. And so, you know, everybody can see your every move, you know, and they're, and they're just watching because you're connecting them to the story, like you said. And so you have become that character in their minds, and you're just taking them through the life of Charlie Bucket. And so I, I wish that it went on forever. I mean, I went to see it three times <laughs> and I wish I could go back uh, the next time I'm on Broadway and see it. But, you know, things must go on. And like you said, the show must go on. And so you have to kind of have that within you, which you've learned so quickly, Ryan, that is going to take you so many places in your life because you've learned these simple lessons, these leadership lessons <clears throat> that can really apply to everything else that you need to make a decision about. And, I just applaud you because going through, you know, changes, going through, you know, ideas of, you know, maybe you won't be comfortable or stretching yourself to do something different. 
you have done and experienced so much that what do you think is the next thing for Ryan Faust? What do you, what do you kind of, is something tugging at you to kind of get back into what you, maybe Broadway, off-Broadway, movies? What, what are you feeling right now? I really want to do all of it. Anything <laughs> that I'm offered, anything that comes my way, all of it. I love um, it. I think I've done almost every version of acting in this industry. I've done um, Broadway, off-Broadway. I've done a movie. I've done television. I've done animation. I've done, uh, I sang in concert-ish in Bryant Park. I got to sing some promo songs for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I've really reached to every depth of this industry. What I want to do is I want to try some things out of my comfort zone and maybe a bad person, maybe an evil person, maybe a sci-fi movie, uh, maybe something cool on Broadway, like a dance uh, show, mm-hmm. anything really outside of my comfort zone, inside of my comfort zone. I, I want to do all of it. Yeah. I just want to continue working as an actor because I love this job. I, I love all these opportunities <laughs> and lessons that I learned through these different projects. That's so amazing. You know, some people, like Brian Cranston, uh, we just saw him on Network um, on Broadway a couple of weeks ago, and, and I think about, you know, he acted on TV for so long, and then it wasn't until later in life, you know, that he got a character that was developed really, that, that really strengthened him in Breaking Bad, and that kind of defined him. You know, and so now he's doing all these other things, but he's lived his life a lot longer than you have. And, you know, he hasn't, um, you know, he's just experiencing all these things. And so he he brings kind of his life into this character role. And you have just authentically connected to the industry, which I I really want kids that are listening to this because I get a lot of letters and emails from people that say, you know, I don't yet know what I want to do um, if they're youth, but we we'll have a lot of youth leaders that listen to this too. And and so it's finding out what you really are passionate about, what you've experienced so far in your life that you think, hey, I, I can add value to the world, right? I can add value to myself and people around me if I follow what's in my heart and don't give up on that dream because you can see it, right? If you can see it, you can believe it. And you can make it happen. That is so absolutely true. My favorite song must be believed to be seen. <laughs> yeah. But but I I, I just um, you've got such a great message, and I think <clears throat> excuse me, I think there's so much that you're going to be able to teach us through the years. When does Goldfinch release? That releases in October 2019. 2019. So what is your role in that movie? My role is Andy Barber. I am the main character's best friend. So I do not want to give it away. But (laughs) my best friend comes to stay with me and I take care of him for a while. And uh, we're friends from school. And I'm basically a either a math prodigy or in between that and a nerd. Because I'm not really great at socializing in my character. 
And that was a cool role to have because I played an innocent boy, Charlie. I've played many other roles in labs, which are workshops for working on scripts that are going to come to Broadway sometime soon. Right. And I really got to play a variety of characters, and I always wanted to play a nerd. So I got to play that, and that was really cool. That's amazing, Ryan. I, you know, I, I love that you are on this program. I really appreciate all the time that you've given us. Um, you know, Everyday Leaders is, again, just to inspire, to encourage, to get people to say, I have the ability to do this. I can live my dream. And I want kids to connect to your story. And whatever it is, you know, getting their parents to really believe that any opportunity Take advantage of the opportunities and get your kids involved in what their dreams are because you never know. You never know what can happen if you just take that first step. Absolutely. Man. So any, do you have any last words for people that are, you know, that haven't gone after their dreams yet? Any, any advice for them? Like you said, you must be believed to be seen and um, one of my favorite quotes, see your path, do not let the fog get in the way. I love that. I love that. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for being on the program. Uh, Stephanie, Mark in the background, thank you very much for organizing this. This has been a great experience and I really appreciate you guys. I'm going to connect to you when I'm in New York next time. And, uh, and Ryan, you are an everyday leader and an influencer and keep doing and living your dream, my, my friend, because it's going to be amazing to watch your career. Thank you so much. Have a great 2018. You too. Thank you for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guests from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful Newfields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.